And please do um, keep your Bibles open at that passage as we look at it together. Um, hopefully our, our break from John will be just one week and that Grant will be healthy and back with us uh, next week and we'll be back in John. Um, my name's Sean. I, I help oversee the student ministry here at Christchurch. If I haven't met you, it'll be great to meet you afterwards, so please do come say hi. Let's pray. Let's ask God to help us as we come to his word. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you're a God who speaks. Thank you that you desire to have a relationship with us. Thank you that you've made yourself known through the pages of Scripture. Thank you that you continue to speak to us today through your word. Father, we pray that as we sit under your word now that you will, you will shape us. We pray that you will set our hearts on you. We pray that you will help us to trust in Jesus and in him alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the section that we're looking at in, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, it, it all takes place around a, a dinner party that Jesus attends with, with some of the, the Jewish religious leaders, the, the Pharisees and the experts of the law. Now, uh, dinner parties is something that I'm sure we're all familiar with. Uh, I wonder if you think back, what are, what are some of the really memorable uh, dinner parties that you've had or that you've been to in life? Um, maybe you've been to a dinner party where there have been some really important, influential people uh, at the dinner party. Uh, when I was in my 20s, um, uh, I think I was 24 at the time actually, in London, I was invited to a dinner party. There were about 20 people there, not very big, um, and beforehand mingling with a few people, uh, lots of people I didn't know. I didn't know most of them. I'd only been in London for a couple of months. Um, and speaking to uh, three people there in particular, it was really interesting hearing about them, having conversations. I had no clue who these people were, uh, but it was a nice time, good, good mingling. And then um, on the way home, my flatmate told me about three of the people I had been speaking to. Uh, one of them was a head fund, hedge fund manager um, who regularly appeared on the UK top 100 earners. Maybe if I'd known, I would have um, spoken very differently or um, had a different agenda. Uh, the other was um, Sir Thomas Hall, um, who uh, who's knighted Sir Thomas Hall. Didn't know that at the time. Um, and then the third was, was the head of the international um, uh, branch of KPMG. Um, again, no idea. Unknown to me, I'd been speaking to three extremely influential people. It, for, for me, it was a pretty ordinary uh, dinner party. Um, maybe if I went back, I would have had very different conversations, asked for some stock um, investment advice or something. Uh, the context of Jesus' dinner party is among very influential people. Uh, we see very important influential guests it's, the, it's at the house of a prominent Pharisee. And we see in verse 3 that the other guests there are Pharisees and experts of the law. These, these are the Jewish elite. They are the leaders of, of the Jewish religion, the top brass in Judaism. The, the Pharisees were, 
were some of the strictest Jews. They were so set on law-keeping that they, they added a whole bunch of laws to keep them away from breaking uh, one of God's laws. They were seen as the super-holy Jews in the first century. And we see Luke tells us that all this took place on a Sabbath day, which is a very significant day uh, for, for the Jews. Uh, the fourth commandment uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. Deuteronomy 5, 12 reads, Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons nor your daughters nor your male nor your female servants, nor your ox nor your donkey, and it goes on. You might think that it seems natural Jesus to be hanging out with the religious leaders of the time. But just a chapter before this, we've seen a hostility between the religious leaders and Jesus. The Pharisees had even tried to chase him out of town. So why is Jesus at this dinner party? What's going on here? Did you notice uh, at, at the beginning uh, of the passage, it's a bit of a, a strange mood. Just have a look down at verse 2 there. Sorry, verse 1. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat at the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. This, Jesus is not there under friendly circumstances. These Pharisees are looking uh, for a way to catch, catch Jesus out, to trap him. Uh, They want to shame him publicly. And so they set a trap for him, watching him carefully, waiting to see what he will do. And then a man appears, a man with abnormal swelling. Uh, Some of your translations might call it dropsy. Dropsy is a condition that causes excessive swelling of the soft tissue. This man would have been in a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort. So what's Jesus going to do? Will he heal this man? Will he break the fourth commandment? Well, Jesus does go on to heal the man. But knowing that the Pharisees are trying to catch him out, Jesus actually turns the table on them and shows their error, shows that they are being religiously uh, hypocritical. And Jesus does this by asking them two questions. The first question in verse 3, he says to them, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And how do they answer? Well, they remain silent. There's a real uh, comic, uh, comedic um, uh, element to this. These guys are the experts of the law, but they cannot give an answer. Or maybe it's they don't want to because they will see it. they'll be seen to be the ones who are wrong. The second question comes in verse 5. He says, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into the well on a Sabbath, will you not immediately pull them out? And again, here, yeah, we all know the answer. You're not going to watch your child drown or your animal drown on the Sabbath. But again, here, yeah, the experts of the law, 
the Pharisees have nothing to say. In doing this, Jesus is exposing their religious hypocrisy. Uh, Their assumption is that they are good enough to make it into the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus is showing them here that they fail, that they would have done it for their own children, that they would have even done it for one of their pets. But rather than caring for this man who's suffering greatly, rather than seeing this man healed, they look to catch Jesus out, to stick to some law uh, that they think um, makes them religiously right. Their Their religion, their cultural convictions are keeping them away from Jesus, keeping them away from depending on Jesus. We need to ask ourselves, are there any elements in in our culture or in our religion that keep us away from Jesus? In our culture, tolerance is massively prized. So no one can claim to have the exclusive truth. Political correctness is something that's very uh, highly valued. But how do we deal with the Bible's exclusive claims or the Bible's teaching on sexual immorality, on sin? Do we hold out to the Bible? Do we hold out to what God is saying? Or is our culture or religion uh, keeping us away from Jesus? The second dialogue that Jesus has uh, with with the the, uh, dinner guests is about the place of honor. Uh, As people arrive, Jesus notices the different seats that they're taking. They're looking for the best seats in in the house. Now, for us as Christchurch, it's the seats in the front. And we can see you all humbly sit at the back. So the... They're looking for the best seats. It might be the seats closest to the host. You can imagine it's been said here that this is a very prominent Pharisee. So wanting to be close, wanting to be popular by association. Uh, They're vying for these places of honor. And Jesus tells them the story of the wedding feast. He says that rather going for the place of honor, you should take the the less prestigious seats. See, if you take the important seats and someone more important than you arrives, you will be told to move down and publicly humiliated in front of everyone else. If you take the less prestigious seats uh, and the host comes to you and takes you to a better seat, you will be honored, honored in front of others. So Jesus says, you should be taking the less prestigious seats. Now, imagine being at a wedding reception. You arrive there, you just see lots of open tables, and you're looking for deciding where you're going to go sit. And you notice three nice uh, tables up, up in the front. Um, one is obviously there for the, 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 the bride and groom and their family. So you decide, okay, well, you won't sit there, obviously, but you'll sit at, at one of the ones nearby. You can get a good view of the couple, uh, a good view of the speeches, and so you go and you sit there, enjoy something to drink. Other guests arrive and fill up. And then just before the bridal party arrives, the MC comes to you and says, sorry, that's the groom's table. Um, you need to move. And while the bride and groom are waiting outside, the MC 
takes you, uh, gets you up, and moves you to the only open chair in the room, there by the kids' table in the far corner. You can, you can imagine the embarrassment, the humiliation. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't want to stay long at that wedding. Um, look at what Jesus says in verse 11. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. What we see here in the vying for position is a a type of self-promoting attitude. And this is something that's uh, just as common in our society today as it was in the first century. We all want to be seen as better than others. We all want to put our best foot forward, to be seen as the ones who've made it, the ones who who stand out, who are better. Whether it's because of our achievements, whether it's because of those we associate with, it's very much part of the culture we live in. It's part of this sinful human nature. We see this in families, in sibling rivalry, competing to who can sit next to mom next time. We see it in workplace um, where there's inflating your achievements or excessively pointing out the errors of others just to make yourself look better. That self-promoting attitude. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I've achieved. Again, that is something that keeps us away from Jesus. We cannot do it ourselves. The self-promoting attitude keeps us away from Jesus. How do you feel when someone else gets praise and recognition? Do you feel jealous? Do you crave that recognition and that praise? How do you feel about serving? Um, Doing things, do you you see some things as being beneath you? Do you think that, oh, I shouldn't have to do that, someone else should be doing this? Are you willing to serve wherever you can? even when it's not noticed, recognized, or praised. If we've puffed up and arrogant, we will not come to Jesus in dependence, in humility and faith. We'll be tempted to trust in ourselves, in our own achievements, in our own ability, in our own status, rather than trusting in Jesus alone. In the third dialogue that Jesus has with these dinner guests, he addresses the host, and he asks them who he invites to a party like this. You can imagine the the type of people he invites. It's the rich, his family, influential people. Think about it for a moment. If you're having a party, I don't know if anyone's got a big party coming up this year. I know there's a couple of weddings uh, among the, the students um, congregation, as you're thinking through who to invite, who will be the people on your list? Okay, there's the ones you have to have, family, maybe some close friends. And if you've got a few extra spaces, who, who might you add to that list? Well, maybe you'll go for some people who are popular because, you know, I had them at my wedding. Or maybe you'll go for the wealthy. They can buy me a really nice present. Uh, Throwing a party like that, who is the party for? Well, the party is self-serving. It's for for himself, 
to get what he can get out of it, to look good, to make himself um, recognized and valued by others. Well, what does Jesus say? Who does Jesus say this man should be inviting? Have a look at verse 13. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. These are the people that will not be able to uh, invite you back. In verse 14, Jesus says, by doing this, you will be blessed. Look at verse 14. And you will be blessed, although they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Rather than seeking the temporary earthly reward, uh, we should be seeking the reward that comes at the resurrection. Uh, We are to be kind and generous while we're on earth to those who cannot afford to repay us. We're to use what we have not to serve ourselves, but to serve others. Again, that's such a a counter-cultural thing, Uh, thinking that using what we have to serve others rather than for our own good or benefits. By now, the mood at the dinner party must have been really strained. Jesus has exposed the religious hypocrisy of the religious elite. He has rebuked everyone's self-promoting attitude. He's even challenged how the host is to show generosity. It's their party, their house, their friends, and Jesus has shamed and embarrassed them. It's like losing a rugby match against your arch enemy at your home ground, packed with your fans. You can imagine the awkwardness, the awkward silence following uh, the moments of Jesus speaking to them. Then one of the guests tries to uh, break the tension by commenting in verse 14, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. And this gives Jesus another opportunity to enter into dialogue with him, and this time uh, about the great banquet. And what's probably been going through this, uh, the mind of this guest is that all of them, you know, we're going to share in the feast of, of the kingdom. Let's just like, chill Take it easy, enjoy the party, and look forward to the future. Trying to focus the conversation on something more uh, positive. And as Jesus uh, takes up the opportunity to tell them of the story of the great banquets, he tells them that many people are invited, uh, that they reply to say that they're coming. Arrangements are made for the party. Um, In those days, there were no refrigerators, so you would invite the guests Uh, You would get the replies, you would start preparing the food. And when the the food's ready, uh, then you would send out your servants and they would go and tell the guests, it's ready, come, let's party. And so the servants go out to the invited guests and one by one, they start to make excuses why they can no longer come. And looking at these excuses, at, at face value, they might seem like reasonable excuses, but the reality is that they are pathetic. Excuses. Remember, they've replied to the party. The first excuse we see there, he's bought a field and must go look at it. Now, who here would go and buy a house or a field without looking at it first? Really? Second, uh, bought five oxen and must go look at them. They can't wait till tomorrow. Again, you've probably done your research before you've bought them. 
the, the, the next one you might think has a bit of validity, I've just got married. Well, um, really, did he not reply to the, 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 the invitation, say he's coming? What's this like a um, let's just get hitched uh, wedding? So the, the servant comes back and he says, all these people have made excuses, they're not coming. And the host says to his servant, go to the streets, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And when, when he comes back and he says he's done that and there's still room, the servant says, well, go to the roads, the country lanes. But the master says that his house will be full. That's, that's the real point of it. His house will be full. Um, he will bring people in and there will be this great banquet and the house will be full. Now, the parable here is about the religious elite, elite at the dinner party. They think that they will be eating at the feast of the kingdom of God. But in reality, they are rejecting the invitation. And their excuses are pathetic. It's their religious hypocrisy. Their self-promoting pride. Their self-serving generosity. These things are keeping them from Jesus. Keeping them from coming to him as the Messiah and Savior. Now the Old Testament tells us about this banquet that is to come. And that it is the, the, the Jewish nation who are, the, who are those who were invited. But as Jesus came into this world, the religious leaders, uh, many of the Jewish nation, rejected him, made excuses why he is not the Messiah or the Savior. Uh, these are the ones who verse 24 talks about. Have a look down at verse 24. I tell you that not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquets. Those who were invited, those who were rejected the invitation, they are the ones who lose out. They are the ones who lose out at feasting at the kingdom of God. As they lose out, the invitation goes wider and others respond. We've all been invited to the kingdom to the feast of the kingdom of God. Let's not make the same mistake as the Jewish religious elite who rejected Jesus. Let's make sure that we are not making pathetic excuses, relying on our own achievements, relying on anything others other than Jesus and him alone. Nothing in religion is going to save us. Only Jesus' death on the cross. Nothing that you have done, your status, your, your upbringing, what you've achieved in this world, none of that will make you right with God. By nature, we are self-serving. but That is not going to make us right with God. Jesus died so that we can be forgiven. He died so that we can have a place at the table uh, of the feast of the kingdom of heaven. Some rejected the invitation. The invitation went out and continues to go out. We've heard that invitation. Many of us have accepted. Have we all? As we see people reject, know for sure that the, that the master's house will be full. The full number of people will be brought in. The message of the kingdom of God will continue to grow, will continue 
to bring people into his kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that because of him, we can be forgiven. Thank you that because of him, we can have this future to look forward to, a future in your kingdom. Father, we pray that you will help us to trust in Jesus and in him alone. We're sorry for the times that we've trusted in other things, whether it's ourselves or religion or or various achievements. Father, help us to realize more and more that it is only because of Jesus and what he's done for us that we can be part of your eternal kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing again now.